Other like nursery sort of childhood boogeymen include mum poker, tanker a bogus. Oh my god. Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are revisiting a topic from Days of Yore. We're going to talk about the boogeyman, which we talked about in the very first ever episode of Guide to the Unknown. A monster from our past. <laughs> Come back. That's right. To torture us once more. To take his revenge. Um, I love the concept of the boogeyman, and I listened back yeah. to episode one of our show, mm-hmm. which notoriously the first five episodes I always think about as having the worst audio in the yeah, world. Yeah, they stink. It's not as bad as I remembered. I have to say, it's certainly very echoey and, mm-hmm. and just no good. We tried out, a, I don't know why I thought I was so confident with this. We tried out a new mic for our first five shows, which seems silly in retrospect, eh, but whatever. Um, so I really remember enjoying that Boogeyman episode, but listening back to it, I talked about Boogeymen from around the world, different mm-hmm. incarnations. So I'm very curious to see what you've got to talk about. There's not a lot much more than that. Oh, maybe so that's why I did So we are still going around the world. Okay. But I also listened back to that first episode so that I wouldn't tread the same ground that you had already trod. Right. So different places around the world. But yeah, I mean, the boogeyman is pretty much the basic concept. Yeah. I feel like there's more to talk about as far as the pop culture stuff. Which is what I have exactly. for later, yeah. Yep, so this is still an around the world of Boogeyman. Yeah, there's a good amount of pop culture stuff. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, real quick, I just want to uh, uh, call out two things. One, this is uh, sort of also part of our, you know, 200 episode celebration. Right. Um, it's been four years since we kicked off, so we figured maybe going back to the beginning and looking at one of the first topics we ever covered mm-hmm. would be a lot of fun. And... Uh, uh, seeing how we do with our current chops. Way back in episode one, we had our original format where Kristen and I would each pick a different topic. Yes. And so I would spend a half hour talking about the boogeyman, and then Kristen did a half hour talking about banshees. Well, we switched formats a good while back. Mm-hmm. And so we figured, you know, the boogeyman is certainly a deserving, oh, yeah. uh, imposing figure in horror to get a full episode. So let's kick it up a notch and see if we can revisit the boogeyman with all the skills that we've honed. That's right. I don't know about that, but... Over all these years. Yes. Now, the next thing that I want to say is kind of sad. Okay. Um, Today, Mm -hmm. mere hours ago, uh, we found out that comedian Norm MacDonald died. Yeah. Norm MacDonald is probably one of my favorite comedians of all time. William loves Norm MacDonald. This is not some Johnny Come Lately thing. Will talks about Norm MacDonald like all the time. All the time. Uh, there's not a lot of crossover for Guide to the Unknown. Right. Um, but I did look up one thing, which I'll get to. Um, but Norm MacDonald was, I think, a very uh, misunderstood genius. Mm-hmm. The last time that he was really in the public eye was uh, 2018. He said stuff about the Me Too movement that wasn't cool and got him really, I, I think, to some degree appropriately um, criticized in the media. And to some degree, he was just some guy talking about stuff. To everyone's knowledge, he never did anything. He commented on, like, Louis C.K. and was devoured. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, like, the last thing he ever did. Hmm. That's it. He kind of went quiet after that. And it, I gotta it, tell you, I don't ever, I don't remember that because it was really minor. Uh huh. Um, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying, I don't mean to diminish, you know, the impact of what he said. I mean, the scandal itself was minor, right? Because he wasn't like insanely famous at that moment. He's right. still a famous person, but, but he had to make the tour of like apologizing places, and it was the first time I'd ever seen Norm Macdonald um, seem distraught. Mm-hmm. He was on the View apologizing for what he said, and it seemed like he was about to cry. He was on the View. He was on the View. He has a long history of being on the View. He did ridiculous stuff on the View. <laughs> I love the View. Do you know this? But earlier today, I was listening to the new View podcast that just came out. What? Lots of breaking news. Yeah, behind the table. Oh my god! It was Joy Behar and Meredith Vieira talking about their time. This I from also... episode one. <laughs> no, you know, just... like the the Rob Lowe show about <laughs> Parks and Rec. <laughs> I also read the book Ladies Who Punch about The View, and I loved it. Okay, so Norm MacDonald has a long history of The View. He went on in the huh. 90s, and he said that uh, he's excited that um, that Bill Clinton's term is almost done. He's like, I, I just don't think we should have a murderer in the White House. 
Now, he didn't know what he was talking about. He was just making stuff up. Yeah, totally. But they got, Sherry Shepard was like, okay, Norm, now you said you were going to behave. <laughs> and like, it got all tense. And it was like, what's the problem? I just don't think we should have a murderer. Don't you know this? He killed a guy. He's, uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he's so funny. He's just crazy. Yeah. He's a crazy person. But so I, I loved Norm MacDonald, despite mm-hmm. all the, the, you know, frequently wrong things he would say. Or he seemed to be very diametrically opposed to the things that I believe, but he was one of the funniest people in the world. So uh, in the spirit of all things, and uh, really for me to just mythologize him and find a way to get some of the guy to the unknown-esque topics in the Norm MacDonald world, here's uh, part of one of my favorite jokes of his. I'm not going to read the full thing because it's pretty hairy scary, but should look up the full joke. I'll tell you the first part. He's pretending to read the news. He's, he's, reading, <laughs> he's reading a story. He goes, Albert Fish was born... May 19th in New York City in 1870. He was known as the Gray Man and the Werewolf of Wisteria. He was a serial killer who slayed children and ate them. When police asked a woman to describe him, she said that he was gray in both appearance and demeanor. Mm. A very bad description. (laughs) It's a very bad description. It's a terrible description. (laughs) It's artful. But it's not going to help the police find the guy. No. I, I strongly suggest, I'll put it. I'll put the full joke in the show notes. If, if you know who Albert Fish is, he's a real-life serial killer. Yeah. You might have some idea of how grisly it gets when Norm MacDonald continues to describe things. But uh, that's pretty guy to the unknowny. And then because we're talking about the boogeyman this episode, just because, you know, one thing that I really respected about Norm MacDonald, I heard him talk about comedy once and say that he wanted to have a joke about everything that existed. Mm-hmm. So honestly, sometimes he would just look around and go, stoplights. Okay, I'm going to write a joke about stoplights. This way, if somebody asks me on stage, I'll have a joke at the ready. Uh-huh. So we wanted to have a joke about everything. So I figured, and I've tried to do that myself with scary things. I've started writing down a couple of years ago, like, here's a topic. Um, what's scary about it? I mm-hmm. want to have a scary incarnation of everything. Which actually, maybe I'll ramp that up in honor. But so I googled Norm Macdonald Boogeyman. Thinking, maybe you said something about the Boogeyman once. Sure. What I found was this. It's from tshirtwarrior.com. Okay. Um, I want you to go ahead and describe uh, this. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? It's baffling. Okay. It's one of those shirts that you see on um, Facebook that seems to be word salad based on stuff in your profile. It's like a shirt, it, a shirt made by an algorithm. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And it says, when the Boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks the closet for Norm McDonald. And then it has a pair of eyes, like red <laughs> eyes, kind of peering. It's inexplicable. Very weird. I have no idea why this shirt exists. It's not anything that Norm Macdonald's ever said. I don't think anybody done. owns that shirt. No, nobody owns this shirt. I think that this is usually something about uh, Chuck Norris. This is like a Chuck Norris joke. Yeah, you're right. It's when like the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks the closet for Chuck Norris. Yes. Uh, but somebody made it say Norm Macdonald. So anyway, that's the one time the Norm Macdonald and the Boogeyman ever have intersected, crossed paths. <laughs> but uh, 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 truly, I was very sad about this today. Rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. I know. Um, read his book uh, based on a true story, a memoir where he actually discusses his death. Mm-hmm. He says that somebody he woke up to his agent calling to say somebody uh, changed their Wikipedia to say you died, which mm-hmm. is something that people do to celebrities from time to time. And Norm Macdonald goes on to talk about he's like. Well, how big is the lie? All they did is go on my Wikipedia. They left everything the same. They just changed is to was. Mm-hmm. That's not a big difference. But he gets very sort of wistful thinking about being gone. And honestly, one of the first thoughts that I had today was thinking probably one of the first things people did was go to his Wikipedia and update it because people are all about making those changes. But he talked about this stuff. And uh, he was he was a fantastic – he was just a wonderful comedian. I'll miss him. Um. Could that book have been written during his battle with cancer? Because his agent today, like, shared that he's actually been battling cancer for nine years privately. I suppose so. Could he have been particularly wistful, maybe in part because of that? Uh, It's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, I I will say I paid enough attention to him um, to know that he had he had spoken. Not he didn't get serious very much, Norm Macdonald. But he did make references occasionally on his Twitter account, which was all about sports. He loved mm-hmm. sports. Um, he did reference being in pain all the time. Hmm. And so I knew something was wrong. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. He made like, you know, he made, I'm using this phrase, he made jokes about cancer, not in an offensive way, but he would, mm-hmm. he would talk about cancer and thinking about things. And uh, to be honest, I did kind of wonder. Hmm. Um, 
but still, it was it was pretty pretty upsetting to to find out. I I, I really loved uh, Norm Macdonald. Yeah. All right, the boogeyman. Yeah, well, honestly, <laughs> I don't know how to transition. There's there's no transition. I just loved him, and mm-hmm. honestly, my outlook in in life and in all things is have fun, have fun because stuff like this does happen, and so I think it's up to us to keep having a good time as much as possible. So hell yeah, the boogeyman. Let's yeah. talk about it. Hell yeah. Okay, so. As we said, we talked about this in episode one, so I tried to not rehash what William had covered then, but I figured I'd just do a little bit of catch-up stuff, because there's going to be some overlap. Um, Possibly the first reference ever to the idea of a boogeyman had to do with um, the hobgoblins of England that were written about in the 1500s. They kind of bear some similarities. Okay. So it feels like that may have been the first boogeyman reference. And since then, it's kind of culturally become this shorthand for somebody lurking and being dangerous. You can kind of call anything that is being that way the boogeyman, and everybody understands it. It just means bad guy. Yeah. When you think about it, because like they refer to Michael but Myers like as a the boogeyman, sneaky, like you don't know where they are, sort of bad guy. Like, true. Yeah, that's true. Or somebody that's like larger than life, because people will mm-hmm. use boogeyman colloquially to be like, you know, uh, um, you know, he's the he's the boogeyman uh, of this street. Yeah, it's like he's he's haunting the place. That's he's true. trolling around. I guess you're right, sneaking around a present threat that nobody knows anything about. Right. Yeah. Right? Always mysterious. Yeah. Um, coincidentally, I'm reading a book right now called Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar, and it is... Yes, William? <laughs> nothing. Um, I have nothing to say about Richard Chismar's name. Of course not. Um, <laughs> it is a work of metafiction, so it's written as though it's a true crime book, but it's a fictional novel, and it says that right from the top. Uh-huh. Like, there's kind of a, a preface that, like, this is fiction, some things were inspired by my life... But this is not true because it's written first person. I promise not to do this the whole episode. That's what Norm Macdonald's autobiography is. Yeah, I know. It's called Based on a True Story, a Memoir. Mm-hmm. It is not factual. Yes. And that is one of the best things about it. I, I love that. And that's honestly, that has the Richard Chismar book. Mm-hmm. That's got roots in, in horror. Blair Witch says it's based on a true story. Texas exactly. Chainsaw says it's based on a true story. That's a deep, rich um, uh, trope. Right. I've had to keep reminding myself of that. Like, okay, this is like Blair Witch basically while I've been reading it. Um, but the boogeyman in that I'm only about halfway through, it seems to be a real serial killer. I know from the description of the book that they eventually wonder if this could be something supernatural. Okay. But at this point they refer to this person who is kidnapping girls and killing them as the boogeyman Mm. of their town. Um, I was going to actually, there's like a start of a chapter where he goes to a library and researches the origins and etymology of a boogeyman. And I was like, oh, I'll put that in here. It'll be a good quote. But it's just like exactly everything else that I've written. So I decided to leave it out. Yeah, fair But enough. it's a good book so far. People really like it who finished it. So maybe cool. check it out. Um, so there are a ton, ton of different versions of the boogeyman story across cultures geographics all of that um but it seems like you can divide the intentions of the boogeyman up into three categories there are boogeymen who punish misbehaving children so just frighten them not hurt them but you know give them a little scare to get them in line there are more violent super scary boogeymen who are gonna like eat the children if they do something bad and very occasionally, there are boogeymen who are there to protect the innocent. Kind of like an avenging angel sort of vibe. Protect the innocent? Yes. I'm not aware of, of good guy boogeymen. I have at least one story of a, a good guy boogeyman here. So there's one good boogeyman? Perhaps. Okay. Yes. Maybe but that's there are enough more, for there to be a one. whole category. Yeah, that's okay. right. Um, I didn't make up the categories. I was on the myths and folklore wiki uh-huh, and okay. they pointed that out. So maybe they're even it's their more. analysis. I went through and picked the most interesting stories to me. Yes. Um, maybe there was a good boogeyman story that didn't strike my fancy. As the goody man. Yeah. The goody man. Um, the description of the boogeyman varies a little bit across all these cultures, but For the most part, it's usually kind of like a shadowy entity. And if they are physical at all, beyond being just like a scary 
sense of something. Um, they usually have like a masculine vibe, mm-hmm. um, even though they're probably technically sexless. Um, and they do tend to have some stuff in common looks wise. They usually are references having claws, talons, sharp teeth, red eyes, and then sometimes hooves or horns for bringing in a little bit of a devilish vibe. Okay. You say that like it's like they really want to vary their appearance for fun. Yeah. You for know. For bringing in a vibe. You want to switch it up. The boogeyman's like, ah, you know, I could, I could look a little cooler. Let's do a little horn. Yeah. Okay. So now we're just going to, we're going to bounce through the world. I'm going to tell you about different kinds of Around the globe. Okay. So in Egypt, there is a name for the boogeyman, which translates in English to man with burnt slash skinned leg is a very scary story that parents tell their children when they misbehave. This is a monster that got burnt when he was a child because he did not listen to his parents. (laughs) Now he grabs naughty children to cook and eat them. Oh, don't want to run into him. Now, is it, it weird too that it, I'm very sorry, but I'm just trying to think about this myth. So, so the boogeyman as a child did not listen to his parents, mm-hmm. and therefore he ended up burned. Now that's that's you know that's a deterrent enough. Right. Listen to me, or you might catch on fire like this boogeyman. Yes. But then that child grew up to murder children. Right. So it's like it's also the the the, the worry here should be you better listen to me because otherwise you might get injured and become a murderer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right? Like, like a consequence for them is that they might have to turn into that sort of thing. So kind of oh. in this version, the boogeyman is like the candy man. Yes. You will have to become yeah. that which you fear. Exactly. I didn't even think about that. It's just weird to be like, farewell just, to the flesh. Yeah, farewell to the bees. City That's of right. bees. It's just, it's just funny to me. The idea of like, you know, you might get burned and also, you know, by extension, um, you might then become a, a serial killer. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. That's silly. It didn't even occur to me. I was yeah. just worried about the serial killer coming after me. Right. Not to worry about his origin story. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of happenstance that he happened to be burned as a child from right. listening to his parents, but he's going to come get me now. Also, you think that that boogeyman would be like, kid, I've been where you are. Yeah. Listen to your parents. Sit the kid down and talk to him. You know? Right. Um, in Albania... The Lubia is a rare female demon with an insatiable appetite for the flesh of children, especially girls. She has many heads from seven to a hundred, depending. And like the Greek Hydra, if one is severed, then others will grow in its place. Oh, good God. So that is a lot of chomping power. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. If, if she is specifically into eating small girls and she's got like a million heads, you really better to be good for goodness sake because the Lubia is probably not going to miss if she comes for you. hundred percent. She's like a swarm of piranha. Right? Yeah. She's a whole school of fish. Mm-hmm. If all of them are biting you simul, that's a scary horror image, right? Like yes. all these heads sort of converging on you and devouring you. They, you know, cartoons would show you could dip a ham into some piranha infested waters and just pull out the bone. Yeah. Picked clean. Right. Like a little kid who's attacked by the Lubia and then in three seconds flat is just, just a skeleton. just a skeleton. That's a that's a freaky deaky idea. I know. Okay, so in Greece, the there's a common translation of boogeyman, um, which is used by the parents to scare their children their children so they won't misbehave. And this creature is supposed to be some kind of cannibal that eats kids. Mm. Um, the most used phrase about the creature is something that translates to the bogeyman will come and eat you. Oh. Just giving you a heads up. My you know, Albert you. Fish said that uh, the flesh of a child was the most toothsome dish in all of gastronomy. Ew, really? <laughs> That's also part of that Norm Macdonald joke. <laughs> Ew, the most toothsome. Di- I hate the word I, toothsome, I've first been, of all. Honestly, I've also been using that phrase a lot You've lately. been using the word toothsome a lot. I've, I've been thinking, I guess I've had that joke on the brain. I guess so, but you've definitely said toothsome a few times in my presence recently. I referred to something yesterday as being the most toothsome dish in all of gastronomy. <laughs> Gastronomy. At least Norm Macdonald said Albert Fish said that. I don't know if Albert Fish actually did, but Norm Macdonald said he did. I bet he didn't. The most toothsome dish in all of gastronomy. When do you refer to something as being toothsome? I hate it. I don't like that word. I never use toothsome. Maybe you should start. I don't even 100% understand what it means. I think it's just... Like chewy? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if it has to do with like the quality of the way your teeth go. I think it just means... 
you're going to want to eat it. Yeah, I guess right? so. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> um, in Italy, there is a name that translates to the black man, meaning like the color black, um, for a demon that can appear as a black man or a black ghost without legs, huh. often used by adults for scaring their children when they don't want to sleep. Interesting. I like the idea of it being without legs. Yeah, I do too. Except for then it makes me think of Slimer. Which isn't the scariest ghost ever. It does. He would certainly scare me if he if he were to come up on me. Well, the but. gray lady from the New York Public Library at the beginning of Ghostbusters also does not have legs. She's a she's wearing a long dress though. A torso. Don't you see kind of her dress? Yeah, but Maybe I think I it fades. It sort of drips away to nothing. Yeah, I guess that's true. I yeah. guess I guess I just assume that those legs are down there. The idea of just kind of like. You know, you can't see the the division of legs in a pair of pants yeah. that a gentleman is usually wearing. A gentleman. Yeah, fair enough. kind of scary. Uh, real quick, toothsome uh, means it's uh, something that is temptingly tasty. Okay. It's temptating. Tempt- it's temptating. Um, so the Hungarian equivalent of the bogeyman is the mumus, <laughs> which is a monster-like creature. And then there's also the sackos ember, a man with a sack, which is the literal meaning of his name. Now, the reason I'm remembering now why I even included this, I think you did talk about that already, is that a third creature in Hungary that's kind of boogeyman-esque is something known as the copper penis owl. Oh, good God. A giant owl with a copper penis. Okay. So you're not going to want to get swooped down on by that guy. Does Clunk. That have, not- <laughs> right in the head. It's like, oh, he's near. Yeah. How, um, uh, 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 how does that affect anything about his... Ability, you know what I mean? Like, is that just a natural? Is that the same as saying that it's you know like a a scarlet breasted bird? You know? Yeah, I guess so. I I I'm really not sure. It's really neither here nor there. But he does have a copper penis, <laughs> right? I would think it'd make it harder for him to fly. Oh, that's you know? interesting. It or, would like his, weigh you down because birds' bones are hollow. Are, I guess it's a hollow copper penis. Maybe. Now, maybe it's just like a copper plated penis. Is he especially strong? Are his wings particularly, you know, mighty? Then, because they have to overcome the the added weight. They might have to be. Yeah. Okay, this one I was delighted when I came across. The French equivalent of the boogeyman is le croque-mitaine, which means the mitten biter or the hand cruncher. Oh, no. Mitaine means mitt in an informal way. So this boogeyman bites your hands and crunches them up. Ooh. Yeah, that's scary. It's it sounds silly to start. Le croque mitten, mm-hmm. yep. right? He's going to eat my mittens is what I really thought it was. Like, you know, like sometimes you hear about, you know, like the German Santa who puts candy in your shoes or whatever. Yeah, right. So like I thought it would just be, you know, if you leave your mittens out at night, mm-hmm. you might find out in the morning that they've been eaten. Boogies in them. But yeah, there are boogies in there. But no, he'll crunch your hands. Yeah. That is pretty pretty awful. Um, this is very specific. In East Yorkshire in England, children were warned that if they stole from orchards, they may be eaten by a goblin or demon called the Oudgoggy. Oh, no. A-W-D-G-O-G-G-I-E. Okay. So keep your mitts off those apples if you don't want to be crunched up by the Oudgoggy. They're not your apples. No. Um, Yorkshire children were also warned that if they were naughty, the great black bird would come and carry them away. No word on its penis, copper or otherwise. Fair enough. Good to know. (laughs) I thought the only bird with a penis was a swan. I don't know. Well. What? I'm just saying. I I do believe that that is the case. Really? But then how are birds reproducing? Oh, Kristen. What? Egg. Yeah. Right? And then the egg is fertilized later. Okay. You know, who's having sex with the hen? I (laughs) <laughs> You've got the chicken, the rooster, and the hen. The chicken <laughs> goes with the rooster. So who's having sex with the hen? <laughs> it's from Seinfeld. Yes. Okay. Sorry for all the the the, the bird penis. Yeah, right. All the comedy. Apologies. Um. Okay. The gooseberry wife, also an English thing, was said to guard the gooseberry bushes on the Isle of Wight and took the form of a large hairy caterpillar if children came and picked the gooseberry bush. Oh, jeez. Interestingly, I bought gooseberries today. <laughs> Interestingly was the right segue. You ever have a gooseberry before? I don't think so. Tart. Okay. Tart. Why'd you it's buy like them? a ra- I like them. Oh, okay. They they look like yellow like little cherry tomatoes. 
but it's a fruit. You know, I found a, a, a free pile of chocolate berries. <laughs> in <the laughs> Outside yard, in the yard? Near where some deer were playing. How were they? You can have some. <laughs> I'll let you uh, test them first. Thank you. Okay. Here is another personified boogie- boogeyman sort of character. This is Churn Milk Peg. Oh. Hell of a gal in West Yorkshire who's a female goblin who guarded nut thickets until they could be harvested and would be seen smoking a pipe. Churn Milk Meg sounds like a badass. I'm into her. I just want to point out an underrated part of your story there was hell of a gal. Hell of a gal. <laughs> yeah. Um, then... Churn Milk Meg has a, a male counterpart, so if you want to tell the story, but you rather have it be a feller, this person's name is Melsh Dick. Oh, boy. Melsh. I thought we agreed we'd stop. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? With all the bird conversation. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, other, like, nursery sort of childhood boogeymen include Mum Poker Tanker a bogus. Oh my god. Um, they both drag children into a deep dark pit, and then Tom Poker, who lives in dark closets and holes underneath the stairs. In England, they come up with crazy names for things. It's it's amazing to me that like you think about the United States of America, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's it's just physically there's so much more land yeah. than the UK. Yes. But I feel like there's so much variety in the UK where it's like Almost like region by region. They each have the Tom Poker and like why do they have and, all uh, of these? Churn milk peg. Like in the US we Melsh have, Dick. We have Melsh, Melsh is a crazy Dick. word. Melsh. Yeah. We have the boogeyman. They yes. have Melsh Dick and Tom Poker and all these other characters. I know, There's so, so many. Tanker a bogus. I know, it really is a the uh, spoil of riches. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sleep on Malta because Malta has the Kaka or Gaga, which is a gray, slimy creature that roams the streets at night. It can smell a person's guilt and enter their homes through cracks and fissures by extending and contracting its snail like body. Ooh. Once it was inside their rooms, it would flash them with a ghastly grin and its hu- uh, with its huge, toothless mouth, scaring them witless. Good God. I, that's, that's very awesome. scary. That It can smell your guilt. Yep. And it'll slime its way into your home like Through a... Through cracks. Like a snail. Yes. Like Alex Mack, pretty much. Yeah. Like Alex Mack. More or less. More or less. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really... Free. What's that called? The caw-caw or gaw-gaw. That's so really K-A-W gross. K-A-W or G-A-W. It can smell your Gray guilt. Gray and slimy. I like that a lot. I know. Um, here is the one that is where the boogeyman is like kind of a good guy in this story. In Indonesia, a creature called a Weiwei Gombal is a ghost that kidnaps children who have been mistreated by their parents. She keeps the children in her nest atop a palm tree and doesn't harm them and takes care of the children as a grandmother would until the parents become aware of what they've done. If the parents decide to mend their ways and truly want their children back, the Weiwei Gamble will return them unharmed. This ghost is named Weiwei Gamble because it originated an event that took place in Gamble. That's... So, yeah. provided that the kids aren't totally freaked out, then this is really punishing parents for being negligent. Which is a fascinating reversal. Yep. What's this one called? It is the Weiwei Gamble. W-E-W-E-G-O-M-B-E-L. Because then, you know. Like Gumble Bryant, but with an O. <laughs> Gumbent yeah. Bryant. That's like, a, you know, in a dictionary. Right. Gumble Bryant. But uh, so uh, parents could warn their children, you better act up mm-hmm. or, you know, the gub gub will come get you. Right. But then kids can go, well, you'd better be a better parent to me or way, way Gumble mm-hmm. is going to take us away and you're going to miss us so much. You're right. Giving the kid a little bit of ammunition. Yes. Finally, the power's in the child's hands. Finally. Okay. So let's talk about some um, United States boogeyman stuff. This is crazy. I'd never heard this before. Yeah. So it said that in rural areas of the South... It would be called the Booger Man or the Booger Monster. Okay. And was most often used to keep young children from playing outside past dark and were wandering in the forest. Fine, got that. But I never heard about the Booger Monster. 
Then during the corn festival, young Cherokee males wearing caricature masks would make fun of politicians, frighten children into being good, and shake their masks at young women and chase them around. Male participants in this booger dance were referred to as the booger men. Oh. So because this is like scary and in your face, maybe that's how it evolved in that way. Interesting. Don't know. I have long wondered the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. It's spelled uh, particularly around the world. It seems to be spelled B-O-G-E-Y. Right. One O. Right. We spell it, I think, commonly here in the U.S. as boogie. B-O-O-G-E-Y or I-E. But bogies in the uk or boogers right it's not it's mucus yeah so the boogeyman i think does come from the bogeyman and i do think it's yes. just supposed to be boogers are gross i think so so that's it's just interesting i i'm always i i even tried again this time to really nail that down and i didn't get a great mm-hmm. a great early etymology yeah i mean i think that is i think that is the case it's just supposed to be gross right yucky yeah. Well, here's here's one for the booger category. Thank you. In the Pacific Northwest, he may manifest in green fog. Oh, booger fog. Right, boogie fog. So it'd be flowing cream. Yes, flowing cream. In other places, he hides or appears from under the bed or in the closet, duh. Um, in others, he is a tall figure in a black hooded cloak who puts children in a sack, duh. Then this was a new one. It said that a wart can be transmitted to someone by the boogeyman. Have you ever heard of that before? I have not, but I may have something tangential later. Okay, cool. Um, Here is my last thing. I thought this was pretty sweet, and again, I never heard of it. So this is an extension of the the boogeyman myth. Uh, Somebody called Bloody Bones, who's also known as Rawhead or Tommy Rawhead, is a boogeyman of the American South. Rawhead and and Bloody Bones are sometimes regarded as two individual creatures or two separate parts of the same monster. One is a bare skull that bites its victims, and its companion is a dancing headless skeleton. Now, it's then right after that, it says Bloody Bones Tales originated in Britain, but it's also talking about being part of the American South. So I I don't really know how that developed. But that's the thing. It's interesting. Well, it's this is I think the boogeyman is really, really representative of how tricky it is to peg down really all the stuff that we talk about in Guide to the Unknown. We're like who really knows where these things truly, truly, truly started? The boogeyman is really it's it's interesting again that your research mimicked mine from episode one, where it's like the boogeyman is not a singular entity. The no. boogeyman is a concept of a villain. And it's such an easy, fast concept. There's right. not a lot to dig into as far as the boogeyman. Yeah. It's really just like different people's interpretations of it. And so you get them from around the world because everybody around the world wants to tell their kids, you better behave yes. or, right? There has Everyone to be some, has a need for the boogeyman. And the boogeyman is a scapegoat in a way because you can say, if you don't behave, this guy, not me, this guy's going to punish you right. way worse than I ever could, by the way. Totally. So everybody creates these like scapegoat monsters with their horrible methodologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all couched under the concept of the boogeyman. Yeah. It's not boogeyman. It's the boogeyman. Boogeyman. It's interesting. Totally. Um, boogie people. Mm-hmm. We should say. Boogie folks. Boogie folk. Um, so I'm going to talk now about pop culture. Uh, representations of the boogeyman, which, of which there are many, but similar to um, trying to understand the 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 history of the boogeyman, a lot of these things are like, you know, I, I referenced it before, but in Halloween, the 1978 Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis refers to Michael Myers at the end by going, hey, he was the boogeyman. And Dr. Loomis says, as a matter of fact, he was. I love that. It's like, well, was he? What do you mean? I know. As a no, matter of fact, he was. We've, we've agreed throughout the movie that this was a man named Michael Myers. Right. So he's not the He's a flesh and blood. Now, arguably, he's taking children away who are misbehaving. Yes, right? It's true. The classic sort of slasher rules as given to us, mm-hmm. carried down the mountain by Randy Meeks. Of course. In Scream. Chiseled onto slabs. Now, of course. If you, if you drink or do drugs, if you have sex, if you say, uh, you know, I'll be right back, mm-hmm. these are all punishments that will get you killed in a slasher movie. These are sins that are being punished by the, the gods. Right. Um, so in that sense, kids misbehave and Michael Myers takes them away. By stabbing them with a butcher knife or strangling them from the backseat of a car. Mm-hmm. So, he was kind of a boogeyman, I yeah. guess. But, he's not the boogeyman. Right. 
from mythology. Well, nobody is the bo- boogeyman. I guess not. As we've established. Well, in pop culture, though, in a movie or in a yeah, show, sure. you could say this is the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. So um, I did look up several instances. Um, one that's suspicious to me that I overlooked, actually. And I might ask you to give it a goog. Okay. While I talk a little bit. Okay. I bet Supernatural had the boogeyman at some point. I bet you're right. Let me right? Take they a look. covered the the TV show Supernatural. Did, I think they they probably had like the Tooth Fairy in there for all I know. Yeah, right. You know I know. What I mean? for like 18 seasons or something. They probably touched on the boogeyman at some point. Let's but so I've looked up several different incarnations of the boogeyman. Uh, some that maybe you've never heard of before. And some from places that you're probably familiar with. Um, but I do have more to uh, to say than you may be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so why don't we start with uh, the movies? Um, there is a movie, and I, I think I t- touched on a, a series of movies called The Boogeyman in our episode one. That was from like 2005 and was kind of, you know, junky. Yeah. But there's a 1980 quote unquote slasher called Boogeyman, mm-hmm. which could, I watched it for this show, could not be more influenced by Halloween. Okay. The fact that two years prior, and 1980, as we covered in our slasher history stuff from last year, 1980 was a big year for slashers to to really explode with like Friday the 13th, you know, bringing, you know, uh, uh, you know, especially for several years, making a slasher year by year by uh-huh. year, the big slasher boom of the 80s. So you've got a slasher movie in Halloween where they talk about the boogeyman, and then two years later, at the start of the slasher boom, you have a movie that's straight up just called Boogeyman. And it's shot like Halloween. And it sounds like Halloween. Yeah. The score is very John Carpenter and the the way that the film is really the look of it, the way that they even shoot like looking at a house at night that's lit up uh, is is straight out of Halloween. Mm-hmm. However, the movie is bizarre. It is about um, – now you think about, again, Halloween. Like Michael Myers kills his sister and then we fast forward like 20 years. In Boogeyman, a woman has a – She's dating a guy or she's married to a guy, whatever. But the kids are bothering them when they're trying okay. to have celebrations. Uh-huh. So he ties one of them to the bed. He ties a boy to his own bed so that he can't come interrupt. And then his sister, the boy's sister, goes and grabs a knife, sets the boy free. Mm-hmm. The boy takes the knife, kills the boyfriend. Okay. Fast forward decades. So now you're like, oh, this is just like Halloween. Yeah. Um, except where it now differs is that the grown-up boy and girl – start to see the deceased, the guy that they killed, in the mirror. Okay. Like Candyman. Yeah. And then he basically comes out of the mirror and starts killing people. Um, it Weird. is, uh, I was sort of hoping that I would discover a forgotten gem. Uh-huh. I don't think that's quite the case. Yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, they decided to throw the mirror down the well, and that fixes everything. Oh, okay. Um, the best part of the movie is this guy possesses the now adult girl from from the... The time that, the, you know, they killed him. Yeah. And uh, she's making dinner. And somebody walks in and they're like, they're like, what are you doing? She's making dinner. And they go, Nick and Judy are dead. And she goes, then there will only be four of us for dinner. That's good. Oh, it's okay. Like, oh, I kind of enjoyed that. All right. Um, so that's Boogeyman. There were two sequels to Boogeyman that evidently just reused footage from the from Boogeyman. <laughs> So they're supposed to be terrible. <laughs> well, what I found out by giving a goo to Supernatural is that Eric Kripke, who's the showrunner of Supernatural, worked on a Boogeyman movie in 2005. Yes. That he did not like. And so the way that Supernatural addresses the Boogeyman at all is an episode where um, there's an actress who's in a movie about the Boogeyman. And it's kind of a send up of that movie because he wasn't happy with it. Oh, that's interesting. So there's that. And that episode is called Hollywood Babylon. And then they also have an episode about a raw head, which I just Ah, mentioned. Yes. And that's a boogeyman thing. Yeah. So they, I'm sure they reference the boogeyman here and there, but as far as like a main boogeyman plot with a quick Google, those seem like the two main things. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And that's a good way of handling it too. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I did rewatch some footage from boogeyman. Yeah. And it was terrible. Okay. The 2005 one. Yeah. Um, now, the 2005 Boogeyman also has two sequels, Boogeyman 2 and 3. Okay. Uh, which feature Tobin Bell. Oh. Which you would think Is he would the be Boogeyman? More promising. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Believe it or not, I, I didn't spend much time on the 2005 series of Boogeyman movies, favoring <laughs> instead things like this. There's a 1999 Disney Channel movie. Okay. Called Don't Look Under the Bed. 
All right. The boogeyman uh, is attacking kids. It seemed, it seemed, it's one of those movies where like, it's clearly for children. So it's got like wacky sound effects. Yeah. Which I don't think kids even like. I feel like they yeah. must because they've been doing that forever. So but there must be a reason. I remember even I was annoyed by that stuff as a kid. I don't remember. You know, so like, you know, like somebody knocks you off your feet and then they have that stock sound effect of like, whoop. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, bonk. <laughs> I never, I never related to that. I had never liked that even as a child. So I don't know. So I watched the end of this movie um, and it couldn't be more from 1999. Yeah. The boogeyman, I guess, shrunk everybody down. Okay. So uh, at one point a kid picks up a pencil, which is enormous. Uh-huh. And he says, the, pennier, the pen is mightier than two swords. What? You would think that that meant that the boogeyman was using swords. Right. He's not. So just theoretically, the pen is mightier than two swords? Correct. Because it's so big? Correct. Okay. But the the boogeyman was using elongated fingernails he'd given himself, which defeated the... Okay, so I guess... And then the kid goes, but I guess it's not stronger than fingernails. So just... What? Just horrible. And the way they they, they defeat the boogeyman by breakdancing. Oh my God. And then attaching... (laughs) <laughs> Why? Because it's such joy or something? I guess. I don't know. It made me like think of... Like Boggart rules? Oh, maybe. It made me think of in Hook, uh-huh. when they make those guns where like a chicken lays eggs and then yeah. the gun fires the eggs. That's how they defeat Captain Hook. And yeah, just right. like the ways that like <laughs> The ways that like entertainment tried to like find a way to empower children oh God. in the 90s was just... It was... So funny. Pandering and, and frequently made me feel ill. <laughs> <laughs> It just it just didn't seem Hook right. Hook did make me feel a little sick. Hook is a sickening. It's a sick movie. Oh, it's a sick, sick movie. When they're doing that food fight, looks disgusting. Bangarang. What, what is this food? They're just eating frosting. They're definitely eating like shaving cream. Yeah. with um, food coloring. It's not nutrition. No, absolutely Those not. Those children are not well. No, they're malnutrition. So, it, or, what would you say? They're malnourished. Malnourished. So at the end of Don't Look Under the Bed... They're probably hallucinating this whole thing because they're so malnourished. Probably. Yeah. We're probably just seeing a malnourished child's fever dream. Last moments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, This Um, movie is sick. It's a sick movie for sick people. That's why they gave Julia Roberts that haircut in that movie. Didn't she have... She had like a mental breakdown on that movie. Oh, that kind of rings a bell. I don't know. And Michael Jackson wanted to play. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Um... Anyway, yeah. So in "Don't Look Under the Bed," the ultimate way that they stop the boogeyman is they uh, attach jumper cables to his hands. Okay, and it ages him. What? What he is goes, with this? He goes, "I'm getting old. I'm getting so old." And his face morphs, and now the boogeyman is played by an elderly woman, who then so says, "So it's like when you find out that Darth Vader's a little Eggman." <laughs> A little bit. It looks like a hard-boiled egg in one of those egg cups. Yeah. Looks like somebody cracked his head with a spoon. Yes. Uh, And then the old lady says, I've even forgotten how to rhyme anymore. So they've turned the boogeyman into a, like a... a, This sounds terrible. A a pitiable, sad... Yeah, old woman. I, I, it's 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 bizarre, but Sounds they bad. they celebrate. They're very happy. Um, John Wick from mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah, Keanu Reeves in the underworld of assassins. He is known as Baba Yaga. Yes, which in the film they translate to be Boogeyman. Mm-hmm. But here I have from Screen Rant: If John Wick's nickname was truly referential to the Boogeyman, he would be called Babe. The term translates to a boogeyman, not a particular individual, but one of many. Surely John Wick is a deadly assassin feared by many, but he is not the only one. Therefore, Babe is much more fitting for his character over Baba Yaga. He does not share a single similarity with the Russian mythic witch. He is not malevolent, nor does he seek to harm the innocent. On the contrary, he wants revenge on those who have done wrong. That is strange. Yeah. Baba Yaga. Yeah, why the hell are they calling him Baba Yaga? I think it's just got to be because it's familiar. Totally. It's just like vaguely scary. Um, I want to call out The Outsider by Stephen King, which I've read in the past couple yes. of years, which is wonderful. And uh, both the, I want to read that. The, the book and the TV adaptation with Jason Bateman mm-hmm. um, are like really scary and, yeah. and bizarre and upsetting. I watched, and I watched the show. I loved it. In episode one of Guide to the Unknown, one of the versions of the Boogeyman that I talked about was the Kuka. Yes. And uh, uh, in The Outsider, they really, it's about, it's about police officers having to go like, none of the evidence adds up. Unless, I guess the Kuka's real. Unless you accept that this is supernatural. Mm-hmm. And they, they, it's like the whole book is them being like, 
I, but I can't allow myself to believe in the paranormal. Yeah. And until a character, Holly Gibney, starts talking about myth and folklore and brings up the kooka. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't want to say anything more about it. Maybe we'll do like a deep dive on it someday when Kristen's either read or watched the show. No, I, I did watch the show. Oh, you did? I loved it. Okay. Yeah, we'll but I want to read the book. Yeah. I have it. That would home. be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, I loved The Outsider. I struggled to get into it at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's humongous. It's humongous. And on like page two, there's a character whose last name is Ritz. Uh-huh. And he... Um, Tells somebody that he... What, are you a cracker? Yes. Somebody, he goes like, that's what the kids used to call me, Ritz Cracker. I couldn't take it anymore. And I slammed the book shut. It's like, nobody <laughs> talks like this. this. I just can't read this book. But I'm glad I swallowed my pride. It's fantastic. Uh, there's a movie I've never heard about before called Kukui, <laughs> The Boogeyman from 2018. I couldn't find this movie anywhere. There's a Weird. trailer online. Uh, that's really about it. Huh. Now, I was curious about it. It looks almost like a conjuring level supernatural horror movie. What do you mean conjuring level? Like you think it came out about that time when yeah. people were trying to kind of make conjuring-esque movies? Exactly. Gotcha. It seemed like it was uh, in vogue yeah. with uh, uh, the conjuring series. Um, but I do just want to say that the the thumbnail for the, uh, the Kukui, the Boogeyman movie is – I don't know. It's it's an image that I'd like you to hold on to because I think it's going to be clear uh, when I talk about my next pop culture event okay. that I think people just started to accept this is what the boogeyman looks like. Okay. Um, giant, like he's got like, uh, you know, red eyes, a, a fairly big pointy nose. But the big thing is huge red lips and snaggly teeth. Yes. Okay. Not just snaggly, like huge, fangs. like, yeah, fangs all the way across. So let's talk about a version of the boogeyman that I think maybe inadvertently Influence the way that people depict the boogeyman. Okay. The cartoon show, The Real Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. based on Ghostbusters. So um, this is a, a show where, you know, I never I never really got into it. I didn't watch it much as a kid. I remember they, had, they did a lot of things on this show where, like, the ghosts would just talk like old gangsters or be silly or do slapstick. Yeah. It's like, let the Ghostbusters be funny. I didn't funny. really watch it either. Yeah, it just wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I looked into it for a very unexpected reason. So I bought uh, on Amazon uh, Tobin's Spirit Guide, mm-hmm. which is what Egon Spengler and Ray Stantz cite in Ghostbusters cool. as like containing information about Gozer. That's like where they find out about Evo Shandor and yeah. stuff like that. From the first movie. Um, so I was curious a while ago to pick up uh, Tobin's Spirit Guide. And then I, I finally bought it. A- embarrassingly, Allie saw it in my cart and went, how long has this been sitting there? Are you going to buy it? Or So I, I, I hit purchase. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't buy it for this episode, but I, it arrived just a few days ago. And one ah, of the first pages signing. that I opened up to was the Boogeyman. Cool. Uh, which is pretty fun. That's and, awesome. And so it sent me down a rabbit hole of learning about the, the Ghostbusters version of the boogeyman. Oh, cool. Which is a big, yeah, pointy nose, huge, uh, uh, shiny lips. I would say very goblin esque. Very goblin esque. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I think that it it really sort of influenced other depictions of the boogeyman that I have seen. You think this book did? No, 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 no. This oh. this book is uh, uh, I should hold it up maybe for the camera. Mm-hmm. This incarnation of the boogeyman is just an artist's uh, a, for this book's interpretation of what the cartoon show already had. Right. Oh, okay. In okay. 1986. Yeah. So in this episode of maybe. the real Ghostbusters from 1986, a pair of kids say that they saw the boogeyman in their closet and they asked the Ghostbusters to check it out. They did not tell their parents that they were calling the Ghostbusters, uh-huh. which is funny. So uh, the boogeyman appears from the closet, and he's like 10 feet tall. About half of that height is just his head alone. He's got an enormous dome. Yeah. And one of the first things that he does when he sees the Ghostbusters is he looks at Egon specifically Uh and goes, I remember you. Ooh, that's cool. I like that. So it turns out that Egon, in his childhood was terrorized by the boogeyman. And this is backstory that he tells to the other guys. That's cool. And because he was tortured by the boogeyman as a kid, he goes on to say, he's the reason I started investigating the supernatural. I wanted to find a way to stop him. 
So it's effectively That's Egon's, fun backstory. Egon's origin yeah. for becoming a Ghostbuster is the Boogeyman himself. Yeah. Um, the Boogeyman is not a ghost, so they can't defeat him with their proton packs. They have to find another way. And they uh, Winston reading about the Boogeyman in a book that they don't cite, but I have to imagine is mm-hmm. Tobin's spirit guide. Yeah. Uh, references that the Boogeyman is said to feed off of the fear of children. So the more he scares the kids, the more he eats, which is very much okay. like it. Yeah, totally. Which like would Pennywise. have been out around this time. Um, they decide to find a way to summon the boogeyman and throw, quote, a ghost bomb that Egon has developed recently uh-huh. at him uh, to maybe trap him inside his realm. Uh, and he goes, unfortunately, not every child's closet leads to the boogeyman. Or fortunately. I know. I was going to say, that's almost like a very Seems, Egon thing to say. To yeah. Be like, if only. Right. It'd be there, so interesting <laughs> and cool. And convenient. Yeah. Right. So uh, basically, they set up a sting operation. They go and rent an apartment, okay, which is like rat infested and and, and crappy. And but then they're like, "Well, take it, yeah," because the this closet happens to be connected to the boogeyman's realm. Egon uses his PKE meter, mm-hmm. but in order to lure him out, they need a child sleeping in the bed. So they turn to Ray, Dan Aykroyd's character, and he's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Cut to he's sleeping in bed with a teddy bear. Uh huh. And when the boogeyman comes in, he goes. Well, this is a rather large toddler. And then Ray throws back the covers. And he's got a, a a proton beam in there with him. Proton wand or yeah, whatever. whatever they call it. Proton pack. pack. And he goes, uh, freeze, Ghostbusters. Which I'm like, they're not the cops. Yeah. This is, this is truly. You don't a, want them to freeze. No. You just want to like capture him. This truly is a sting operation. Right. You know, they had to set up circumstances to lure the boogeyman to them. Yeah. Anyway, so they chase the boogeyman into his realm. And it is an MC Escher up is down, you know, left is right. They uh-huh. run, a, they they chase him down a Mobius strip at one point. It's like a trippy place wow. without physics. And in it, it's it's all just doors that lead to countless children, which is just Monsters Inc. Uh huh. You huh. know, yeah. A a a world of doors. Yeah, you're that right. Lead into children's rooms. Uh, eventually, Egon himself must face off with the boogeyman. To buy time for their bombs to get set. He refuses to let him get away this time, Kristen. Uh, Also, the kids who called the Ghostbusters in the first place run into the Boogeyman's land to help. How did they know? I don't know. Uh, And then they set off the bomb. And then uh, Egon says the Boogeyman's realm has been closed off. (laughs) But not for good. Mission accomplished. Oh, He he will return. Okay. I did not watch that episode, however. Yes. So, Tobin's Spirit Guide. What do they say about him in here? First of all, the cover of this book is the Ghostbusters logo. Yeah, it's very cool. With more of a, like, graphic uh, wraith-like ghost in the emblem. Yeah, I and like it. And instead of the no symbol, it's a circle that the this frightening ghost is popping out of. And the slash across the emblem is actually rattling chains that are hanging off him, which is... I think it's awesome looking. Nowhere on this book does it say Ghostbusters. No. I just want to point out, which I think is kind of no, neat. No, it's just kind of like a nice nod it's just, to what this has to do with. Exactly. It's just Tobin's spirit guide. Yeah, that's and really cool. This version... Uh, they they note at the beginning of it that this is not the Tobin Spirit Guide that Egon and Ray have read. Right. This is a version put together by Ray. Fine, yeah, because it said official Ghostbusters version, so they're still keeping it in world. Yes. Like, it's the Ghostbusters version, not the Ghostbusters movie. Yes. The one that has been edited by Ray or something. He says the unabridged version weighs in at somewhere around 35 pounds, which makes it very comprehensive but not convenient as a go-to reference for John and Jane Q. Public, <laughs> which is something that yeah, Dan totally. Aykroyd would say. That's so awesome. It's, it's pretty well made, to be I honest. I love that. And so, yes, the artists, uh, the artwork of the Boogeyman in here is also more frightening than it was in the show, but still very accurate. Super cool. Super tall, enormous head, uh, uh, the fangs, the lips. He's got goat mm-hmm. hooves. So they make a point in this book of, uh, of giving some origin to the Boogeyman, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they say in Europe and parts of Russia, folklore claims that the first true Boogeyman was a monk driven insane by the bad behavior of local village children. Hmm. Uh, he That's was, cool. He was so intent on correcting this behavior that he made a deal with the devil. In exchange for his soul and the regular sacrifice of the naughtiest of children, this monk, Rodafiri, which is an anagram for the word horrified, okay, was given a cloak of invisibility and transformative features. He would appear to children as whatever frightened them, the most. Okay. Now, I googled the name Rotafiri. Uh-huh. Anagram for horrified. Yeah. Because I'm thinking that this is even in the world of Ghostbusters meant to be... Was he really named Rotafiri or is this the story? Yeah. That people just tell. 
Uh, Googling Road of Fury just brought me more to Ghostbusters stuff. Brought me to a Ghostbusters wiki um, uh, where uh, some of the origin was made more clear. They say, the worst children were eaten whole by him. But in reality, the naughtiest child was sacrificed to the devil as Uh part of the deal. So the boogeyman could eat most of the kids, but whoever was the worst had to be sacrificed. Um, The Wikipedia, uh, the Ghostbusters Wikipedia, I should say, Uh also implies that Rotafiri and the boogeyman from like the cartoon show might be separate. So that's kind of like one of the things that I said where it was like, Two halves of a whole or just separate. Correct. That is one of the things that made me think of. Um, and that maybe, you know, the boogeyman, the boogeymen all came from a single entity. Yeah. Almost like there was a boogeyman, but then he was split into all these. Right. Everything right. you talked about, everything I talked about in episode one, mm-hmm. Rotafiri and the, the, the cartoon boogeyman I just talked about. It fits into the Rotafiri theory. Yes. The Rotafiri theory. Yeah. Now, here's another huge, huge info dump. From the Ghostbusters wiki, a a big enlightening fact. They say, quote, based on his wardrobe, it is possible that the boogeyman enjoys partying. (laughs) What's his wardrobe? Is he wearing like a Hawaiian shirt? Um, I guess I don't know. I guess I should have double checked. No, it's just like a jacket. Oh, yeah. I don't think this would suggest that he loves partying. I guess it's maybe a long tailed coat. I guess. All right. Based on his wardrobe, it is possible that the boogeyman enjoys partying in his own way. In his own way. From time to time within his realm. All right. I mean, yeah, it looks like he's wearing a smart coat. So, so not all the time. No. He also does have like a mohawk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got like a blue mohawk. And okay, he's wearing, I guess, a suit jacket with a very long tail. Right. Um, that almost has like a wave to it when it hits the ground. And actually a bow tie. So that does imply an event. It does. It implies to you that he might enjoy partying. I don't know. I from guess. time to time in his own realm. Yeah. Bow ties are the notorious garb of partiers. I, Hard partiers. I just couldn't believe it when I read this. <laughs> it's funny. This is on like their This is what like Ghostbusters fans keep track of. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible that the boogeyman enjoys partying in his own way from time to time. Keep an eye on it. All the every additional detail. Like, totally. You can say it's it's already ridiculous to say. It's possible that the boogeyman enjoys partying. Because yes. then it's like, well, it's also possible maybe he doesn't. There are a million maybe qualifiers. Like, and, but then the next qualifier, he enjoys partying in his own way. So his version <laughs> his of partying own time, is in his own way. It's different from how we would party. Yeah, I mean, I guess I like partying in my own way, which yeah. is like staying at home. Then to take it further, the boogeyman enjoys partying in his own way from time to time. <laughs> so not all the time. This isn't something, I don't want to give you the idea that it's all no. partying. No, no, no. There's plenty of business. But from time to time, he parties. It's ridiculous. It, just like every additional yeah. clause is insane. <laughs> it makes it weirder and weirder. Totally. All right, now the last boogeyman I have to tell you about is something I, I had no idea about. Okay. And this is something that I usually wouldn't even bother talking about. Okay. However, I found it and it is... It's calling to you? Shocking. Shocking. There is a wrestler. Called the Boogeyman? Called the Boogeyman. I mean, I guess there's like the Undertaker and stuff. This is way, and maybe we'll have to look into the Undertaker. This is, I, I gotta say, this has to be weirder than the Undertaker. So, the Boogeyman, uh, when he first appeared, would recite a modified version of the chant, One, Two, Freddy's Coming for You, okay. from A Nightmare on Elm Street, before smashing an oversized alarm clock on his own head. Okay. Now, I tried to find this version. I couldn't. But what I did find, I watched a bunch of clips uh-huh. where somebody, the first one I saw was John Cena opening a door. And this guy's just in there. And he's a big, you know, buff dude. His face is painted red and black. Uh-huh. And he's holding a huge alarm clock. And he's going, London Bridge is falling down, falling down. And John Cena starts to close the door uh-huh. and peeks back inside. And he's still going. He goes, my fair lady. And smashes the clock on his head and goes, I'm coming to get you. Oh, no. That was his tagline. All of these ended with, I'm the boogeyman and I'm coming to get you. Then the next one. I guess that's what the boogeyman does. The next clip was somebody sliding open a van door and the boogeyman's sitting in there. 
And uh, he's got the big alarm clock. And this time he's saying, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Just like classic, you know, reciting childhood things yeah. in a spooky way. And then the guy starts to... Why have him have the alarm clock in the van? I don't... Cause I, I, I get maybe that's part of the Nightmare on Elm Street thing of like I'm I wake you up or I'm yeah in your I know bedroom but the van or, though and then the guy starts to close the van door and then looks in again at the last so it's like the staging of this is identical this is the same moment somebody this opens the thing. door sees him starts to close and looks again um, and then uh, it turns out he's missing the middle teeth on both the top and bottom of his mouth okay for real mm-hmm. because oh, okay. he's like talking like this he's got like a big list because he doesn't have teeth yeah and he's eating worms. I have a quote here. God, he's eating worms. <laughs> Is it a quote from you watching this? Or? <laughs> so he's in there eating worms. And then uh, uh, here are just some instances of stuff that he did. He made his official in-ring debut on December 2nd uh, on SmackDown, defeating Simon Dean in a squash. What? Okay. A thrilling, a thrilling sport. During the match, he took a handful of live worms from his pocket and stuffed them into his mouth. Oh, my God. Over the next few weeks, Boogeyman's opponents were generally flattened in the ring, left with worms in their mouths. Oh, God. And or spit on their faces. Oh, God. is that, I don't watch wrestling, but is that standard issue? I feel like that's grosser than usual. I don't think it's common for everyone you defeat to be left with worms in their mouth and spit on their face. Well, worms, no, but like spit? I don't think that's... I know. Average. On September 20th, WWE.com reported that this wrestler had been released from the company. However, on October 6th... What? Do you know what... This This isn't this past... <laughs> no, this is years <laughs> okay. ago. This is like 2009 or something. Okay, okay. Uh, WWE announced that he had re-signed and would be sent to be trained um, at a wrestling school. <laughs> we get it, but I think we can work with him. So you think like, oh, they're improving him. Well, so they're saying we know he sucks. So then he returned on October 27th, attacking and spitting worms into the faces of The Miz and Crystal Marshall. Not The Miz. I watched this clip. He spits a bunch of worms into his face. What does The Miz do? He just lies there and takes it. That's not The Miz I know. It's the the character. I I don't know. I guess they have to do this. Is this like in Do you remember The Miz? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, the announcer goes like, go back to reality TV. Yeah. The Miz was like um, was on the real world before yeah. he was a professional wrestler. It was his dream to be. Yes, I know. I actually he, love that that worked out. On the October thirteenth, two thousand eight edition of Raw, the Boogeyman made his return, appearing during a segment <laughs> with Jackasses Johnny Knoxville, Chris Pontius, and Big Dick Johnson, ending with the Boogeyman bringing live worms out of a bag. Of course he did, and putting them in his own mouth, and then spat them into the mouth of Chris Pontius. <laughs> So I just, I wrote, there, there are so many more moments where it's like, it says like another wrestler, Booker T, took out um, a restraining order on him. Uh-huh. And then the boogeyman appeared and spit worms into his wife's face. It's like, they make it sound, and I, I have to believe these things are all scripted, right? But like, the Wikipedia even makes it sound. Right. They write it as though it's real. Like, like boogeyman is so rough and tumble that he broke the rules. He broke the law. He broke his restraining order. And he's all about these worms. That's awesome. And I watched the video. Truly. You would think that it might just be like fickling weenie. It's worms. I believed that it was worms this it's whole time. It's legit worms. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's 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 disturbing. It's disgusting. This man appeared to be very into his character. Oh my god. He loved it. It's kind of grosser to me that the worms had like plenty of space to wiggle in where he didn't have his teeth in the front. He had front. no teeth. He eventually that got... That almost makes it sound like he like t- removed his teeth so he could like have a, a, a worm, more efficient wormhole. A worm jamboree. Yeah. He, the worms crawl and the worms crawl out. Right. Oh, um, God. Worms on your gums. He eventually, eventually got on your gums. his grill fix. He eventually uh-huh. got teeth. Uh-huh. And I think that for the character, they just made the Maybe he was like, I don't like them. Oh. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. And then I looked at his Wikipedia and it was like, uh, he left the company. <laughs> <laughs> Did he leave the company? I don't know. They, I can't they, tell. They I, publicly acknowledge that he's not a good wrestler. But I think that I think I think that they're doing it for the spectacle of it because they say, yeah, I guess he's been yeah, released from right. the I company. Forget, I forget. Yeah. On September twentieth, they said he'd been released from the company. However, on October sixth, they announced he'd been re-signed. So that's sixteen days. That's two weeks later. Yeah. And they said he'd no, be sent right, to be right. trained. So they make an announcement. 
I we're gonna see we're now. going to we're gonna rehabilitate yeah, him. They're like, we get it. The worms aren't cool. He shouldn't be spitting worms. I understand. At I understand. So we're sending him to be trained with Booker T in Houston, Texas. Uh-huh. Then he returned on October 27th. So that's just a few weeks later. Right. And he spit worms into the face of the Miz and Kristen Marshall, two people. <laughs> so he showed right back up and did the same thing again. I don't know why you're teaching me. I'm the, just gonna spit worms in their faces. It didn't take. You know who I am. The I'm, training didn't take. I'm the guy who spits worms in people's faces. <laughs> That is so funny. So that's that's the boogeyman. He's real. <laughs> that's the boogeyman. <laughs> he's, he's, he's real. Now, I did read that ever since he left the company, he's now like a personal trainer and he teaches people yoga. Okay. So maybe there's a kinder, sweeter boogeyman out there. I, I don't know. Absolutely. If, there might be Look. some worm play at the end of your yoga session. I don't know. God. But but that's the boogeyman. He's real. <laughs> he's real and he's out there. He's out there. Oh Well, thank you guys so much for listening and or watching. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to support our show and get a lot more Guides the Unknown, go to patreon.com slash gttupod. If you don't donate $4 or more per month over there, we have a monthly bonus episode that comes out on the 13th each month. There's a Discord full of people talking every day all day. It's awesome. And I love it so much. And then there are also other random bonuses. Like we have commentary tracks for all of the Scream movies. We'll sometimes just put up kind of extras over there. It's really, really awesome. And it helps us so much. So thank you to all of our existing patrons. It's a huge help to us. And it's a bunch of fun stuff for you that otherwise you're not going to get on the main feed over here. Yeah. I mean, just the bonus episodes alone, there are 25 of them. So that's 25 plus hours of stuff that you haven't heard. And that's without things that we don't even count as bonus episodes. And there's a lot of that, too. That's right. And actually, I mean, talk about the boogeyman. Mm. Our 25th exclusive episode is yes. on patreon.com slash pod, where Kristen and I talk about the brand new Candyman movie, Candyman mm-hmm. 2021, the revival reboot, yeah. whatever. Kristen and I spoke at length about our feelings about the movie, discussed the plot, um, talked about everything. So mm-hmm. if that's your bag and you want more boogeyman type stuff. Hop over there. Yeah. And maybe we'll have some more Candyman on the feed real soon. That's right. You can also go to gttupod.com to find everything we got online. You'll get links to our merch store, our private Facebook group, um, ways to contact us, info about advertising, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So go check that out, everybody. Uh, and if you want to follow us, we're also online. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So thank you so much for uh, taking a trip around the globe with us once more and traveling through the TV to find all these weird pop culture (laughs) boogeymen. We'll be back next week for one of the the most timely cinematic foes in recent memory. Mm. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld. Back to the boogeyman. Go (laughs) away. Meaning we're returning to the boogeyman now? I think we already did. (laughs) We have to start all over now? Yes.